You're listening to a sermon podcast from Paramount Church in Columbus, Ohio. To learn more, visit ParamountColumbus.com. Get situated here. Let me invite you to turn with me in your copy of God's Word to our sermon text this morning, which is Galatians 1, 11 through 24. Sounds like kind of a long passage, uh, and it is, but 11 through 24. Last Sunday, Pastor Kevin uh, got us started in this new series in the book of Galatians as we are considering the relationship between the law and the gospel, and that's what this letter is all about. It's all about the work of God's grace in the gospel, and so we pray that God would use this season through uh, really the end of the year in this letter to the Galatians to encourage our hearts and to help us better understand what Jesus has done for us and why it matters. Now, this morning, I'm titling the sermon that we'll hear Paul's Supernatural Testimony. And it just reminded me, uh, reading and studying this passage and preparing uh, for this morning, that every one of us really do have a concept of what is supernatural. Every person, every person in this room, I think every person in the world, it seems like the supernatural and awareness of it is something that God has just hardwired into the the very nature of what it means to be humans. Think about when you were a child, or there are some children sitting here. Think about now that you are a child. What happens when you are somewhere completely dark? You like me, and I am afraid of the dark. I'm not ashamed to say that as a 46-year-old man. I am afraid of the dark. If you put me in a completely dark room, my mind starts playing tricks on me. I am concerned about something in the room with me. I don't know what's there. And it highlights for all of us that experience that we have a sense of the supernatural. Because that's what I'm afraid of in the dark. I'm afraid that there's something supernatural. Or even as we get older, think about how you may have heard about this with more ambitious adults uh, who, who may not have the influence of scripture yet in their lives or the gospel or the Christian worldview will subscribe to this thing called the law of attraction. It's the idea that you can attract things supernaturally into your life by what you focus on. If you focus on success or you focus on money or, or possessions or, or good relationships and marriage, those things, that you can attract it to yourself, the law of attraction. It also highlights the way that people think about the supernatural. And of course, we as Christians are absolutely in tune with the supernatural. Because we believe in a God that is supernatural and has done a supernatural work in our lives and continues to do that in the world in amazing, mysterious ways. But here's what I think is so counterintuitive. Even though we as Christians are people who are most in tune with what's supernatural, it seems to me as I look at my life that the supernatural is one of the first things to go from my outlook. I become in that way so often quite worldly in the way I think about how the world works. When hard times come, God is nowhere to be found for me. Or when I think about the kinds of things I want to see happen in the world, sometimes commitment to the Lord and his providence and his work is one of the last things 
that I think about. I think about the logistics. I think about how we can move the right pieces to get things to happen. It's just a weird reality for people whose entire existence is supernatural. So I think it's really great that this morning we have an opportunity early in the book of Galatians to be reminded again of the supernatural work that Christ has done in our lives, that he's continuing to do by considering what Paul has said here in this very first chapter to the Christians in Galatia. And actually, what I think we're going to do today is something a little different. We're going to work backward in the text rather than forward. So we're going to start toward the end of those verses, Galatians 1, 11 through 24, and work our way back up to the top, imagining that we're going up a mountain so that in the end, we reach the pinnacle last, which actually in the text, I think the pinnacle is at the front. So follow along as we work our way backwards. Here's the first truth that we want to see is we're, we're trying to remind ourselves, refresh our understanding of the supernatural by noticing first the supernatural encouragement of the church in this text. The Christians that Paul is ministering to were supernaturally encouraged. And if you're not looking closely, it can be the kind of thing that you skip right over, like lots of things in the Bible for me. So let's not do that today. Let's look first at just the the last few verses in our text first, verses 21 through 24. And notice this supernatural encouragement of the church and how, to me, how amazing it is. This is what he says in verse 21. Afterward, after coming to Christ, I went to the regions of Syria and Cilicia. I remained personally unknown. We'll get to a little bit more of that in a moment. But personally unknown to the Judean churches that are in Christ. Verse 23, they simply kept hearing. So they're hearing about him. He who formerly, he's quoting, he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith he once tried to destroy. And then he says something very interesting. This is the supernatural encouragement. And they glorified God because of me. Now that little line right there in verse 24 really stands out to me. It catches my attention because I think that is a striking thing to say. They glorified God because of me. Is that something you are comfortable saying if it were to happen? Would you feel a little dirty if you said that other people, like, this thing happened in my life, God worked in my life in whatever circumstance, and all the people of Paramount Church glorified God because of me? You would feel a little dirty saying that, probably, like me. Well, it may be that we're misunderstanding some things because Paul doesn't seem to feel that way. Do you think that he's being arrogant? Do you think that he's, he's drawing attention to himself? Well, certainly not. Instead, something else is being highlighted here. And what he's showing is the way that God's work in his life became a supernatural encouragement or ministry to the people around him to get God what he's ultimately after, which is his own glory. It's an amazing thing, and it should not be lost on us. It's interesting that he says, they glorified God because of me. This is sort of like in in our moment here, telling parents congratulations when their children accomplish something big. 
They run in the youth triathlon, and they get across the finish line, and they finish the race, and we tell the parents, hey, congratulations. Or a child uh, maybe gets into college or gets that first job, congratulations. Isn't that a strange thing? Why are we telling them congratulations for something that their children have done? Well, that's, in essence, what's happening here. These people, because of what God had done in Paul's life, are telling God congratulations because of the things that Paul had been doing. And the reason that we do that with parents, and of course, the reason that we do that with God, is because we know that the parents are, in a way, the origin of that race being completed, of that accomplishment of getting into college or getting the first job or whatever it may be. And therefore, there is glory and there's praise being given. Congratulations to those parents. And in a similar way, notice that because of what God had done in Paul and Paul's obedience to the call of the gospel, which we're going to be unpacking over these coming months, it brought glory to God from the people who were around him. Have you ever seen a transformation in someone's life that made you praise God? Of course. You hear all kinds of testimonies from people's lives that, that cause us to praise God. They impact our faith. They strengthen our church. And this is what the text is really about here this morning. It is about the way that Paul's faithful sharing of his testimony, his story of what God did in his life, ministered to other people and gave them a supernatural encouragement. Now, notice what they were hearing, because Paul, we'll see it again uh, shortly, but Paul was kind of keeping back in the shadows. He wasn't being real well known at this time or, or being very forward, so he was kind of observing from a distance what everyone was hearing about him and about the change that Christ had made in his life. And it really is a striking thing that they were saying. Listen to it in verse 23 again. He said, they simply kept hearing... He who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith he once tried to destroy. This is a major change. This is one of the things that makes Paul's testimony so amazing, is he went from a very clear place of darkness and persecution of the church, hatred, hatred of Christ. You don't know very many people even unbelievers, that you would sort of say that about. Because of the, the influence of our culture and society, you, you don't know many people who are outwardly, aggressively persecuting Christ and his church. But that's what Paul was doing. And that's where Christ came and saved him out of that life and transformed him. Actually, it, it kind of has a nice ring to it, the way that in English, the peas play out. Because notice what they were hearing. He who formerly <clears throat> persecuted us now preaches. He went from persecuting the church to preaching the faith. And he went in into a radically different lifestyle. In fact, if we just back up to not only the beginning of our text this morning, but one verse ahead of that, verse 10, Notice the way that God had changed his heart and had given him an incredible courage coming out of a life of persecution into a life of preaching that so overwhelmed him that he didn't care what anyone else thought about it. It's a sign of real commitment. 
that's a sign of real transformation, that he's unashamed of the gospel. Look at verse 10, if you just you know, scan back up there with your eyes. He says, for am I now trying to persuade people or God, or am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. The most amazing thing about Paul's testimony is that he has been transformed into a person that is so unashamed of the gospel and his testimony and his life is being so used by God that people all around him are glorifying God for it. Can you think of anything that could be better in your life than for your life or my life to be even just a little bit like this? The supernatural encouragement that Christians were receiving because of Paul is, is obvious. And it's for obvious reason. This shows that they had been so encouraged and so impacted because look at the way that their disposition toward him changed. They had to have a supernatural work of encouragement in their own lives to move from trusting a killer to praising God. That's what they did. They came to see what, Paul, what God had done in Paul's life, and it was amazing. Through his testimony, there was an incredible supernatural encouragement to those around him. So what I think that we should do with this one truth is to refresh ourselves in the supernatural testimonies of our lives. This might mean for us that we need to, we need to become more acquainted with the stories of what God has done in us together as a church. Sometimes that can be lost in the busyness of life. There's so many things going on, so many responsibilities that we lose sight of all of the things God has done in the lives of people. I want to encourage you to make one simple change, and that is to take a renewed interest in the people right next to you. That's what it's going to take for the supernatural encouragement to happen among us. We need to, like the Christians in Galatia, like the Apostle Paul, take a renewed interest in hearing the stories and testimonies of how God is working in each other's lives. That might mean that we need to carve out some time to ask those questions, to ask about what God is doing, to ask each other to tell some stories to be willing to share your story. When was the last time, this is going to be a burdensome question probably, it is for me. When was the last time you shared your testimony, not, not with an unbeliever, with a Christian? When was the last time that you rejoiced with another Christian because of what God had done in your life to bring you to faith in Christ? It's very similar, supernatural way, similar to the way that he saved Paul. That's something then that we can reignite. And I want to encourage us to reignite it. Take some time. It could be in community group this week. That'd be a fantastic time. It could be in one-on-one -on -one or small group Bible studies that are going on, which we've actually been doing some planning for those. And it's amazing, especially among the men and among the women, how many there are. There are do like dozens, dozens of little meetings happening every week that the pastors don't often even know about, which is great. So why don't you take a little of that time and share your testimony, share some stories, because we need this supernatural encouragement that they were receiving here.
Well, let's notice next, as we work our way, we're going up the mountain, right? We started at the base. Now we're going up the next level, right in the middle to this next truth of the text, which is that there was a supernatural conversion in the life of the Apostle Paul. One of the things you notice when you read through Paul's writings is he loves to tell his incredible testimony. He loves to share with other people the story of who he was. He does it without shame. He delights to put on display just how dark was the room he was in and then to highlight just how bright is the work of God's grace. And so when he tells his testimony, he does something that's important for us to do, and that is that he is very specific about putting on display the supernatural work of God in saving him. Let's read in verse 13 what he says. He says, For you have heard about my former way of life in Judaism, I intensely persecuted God's church. I tried to destroy it. And by so doing, I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries, among my people, because I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. But when God, who from my mother's womb set me apart, I mean, you could stop right there. We could camp out there all week long if we want to look at what supernatural working God does. Don't miss this. Don't become too familiar with Paul's testimony that you miss the incredible, supernatural, God alone work that happened to bring him to faith. Because it's the same kind of work that happened to bring you to faith and me to faith, by the way. He says, God, who from my mother's womb set me apart and called me by his grace, was pleased to supernaturally reveal his son in me so that I could preach him among the Gentiles, he says, I did not immediately consult with anyone. I didn't go up to Jerusalem to those who had become apostles before me. Instead, I went out to Arabia and came back to Damascus. That's an interesting thing. That's an interesting little path that he's taken. Why would he do that? What what is the point that Paul is making? Why is that a part of his testimony? Because he doesn't want anyone to confuse how he came to faith in Christ with a real, like, earthly story of how it happened. Of course, he's hearing the gospel. He's interacting with Christians. We have no doubt that they had an influence on him. But what he wants everyone to know is that he came to faith in Christ by the supernatural working of grace alone. That there is no person, no human being, who is credited in any way whatsoever, including himself, with his salvation. No one gets credit except God who worked in such supernatural ways. He doesn't want us to confuse it. 
He wants to keep the supernatural nature of his conversion very high and glorifying God. I think that is clear why he then didn't go and consult right away with other Christians, like going to people who had become apostles and leaders, pastors, elders, because Paul's concern was that people are going to think that maybe he was like tricked into it or they were, he was pressured into it. He wanted everyone to see just how miraculous his conversion really was. This is something that that's sometimes we wrangle with too, isn't it? Because we, we have kind of a hard time. We, we're supernatural people. We're living in a natural world to tell the difference between what is nature or natural and what is supernature or supernatural. It's sort of like, to use other words, to, to what's the difference between the mundane, like regular things of life and what is a miracle? We have these little ways that we talk about it, and it's totally fine, right? When we talk about medical diagnosis and, and, and healing like that, sometimes we refer to it as a miracle, as a miracle that someone was healed. But what Paul wants to do, if we take that as an example, is to recognize the difference. It's wonderful if, you, if we have a, a medical condition and we see a doctor and the doctor applies a treatment and we get better. That's a wonderful thing, isn't it? That's a gift of God. But it's not a miracle. That's a normal working of, of God in the world. What Paul's talking about here is a miracle. What's a miracle? You have a condition, a very clear medical problem. And without the intervention of any human being, you are miraculously, supernaturally healed by God working in the midst of that. That, that's a miracle. I use that as an example because I think that it highlights what Paul's concern is. He doesn't want anyone mixing it up. He doesn't want anyone thinking that he went to a spiritual doctor and that doctor healed him of his persecution disorder. But rather that he was healed, he was converted, he was saved by God alone. Paul was so impacted by God's work that he went on this trip so that he could consider with God alone what had happened. Listen to the way that he talks in Romans about the way that God worked in his life and how he works in, in all of our lives. This is one of those well-known passages to us, but, but notice the way he talks about our salvation. And he highlights even here, he wants to deliver this to us and have it be the way that we think about how we came to faith. It was supernatural. Notice in verse, this is Romans 8, 28 through 30. You could flip there real quick if you want, or just listen. He says, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined. It's the same kind of thing that he talked about in his testimony earlier. You caught that, right? When God, who from my mother's womb set me apart and called me by his grace, he revealed in me his son. He goes on in Romans 8. 
saying that, that those whom God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That's to be united with him, to become like Jesus, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And then he goes on this list of supernatural things that God does in the life of every Christian. He says, those he predestined, that means that he made a choice before the foundation of the world that he would cause a, a certain people, the elect, to be saved. And then he says, those he called, he justified. Not in an earthly court. They didn't go down to the, to the courthouse. In his supernatural court, he justified them. And those he justified, he also has plans ultimately to glorify. There cannot be anything more supernatural than to be glorified. It's the theme that runs throughout Paul's life and his writings. So he went away and didn't consult with anyone because he wanted to magnify the divine nature of his calling and his conversion. He wanted everyone to know, no one talked me into this. God has done a work in me. So let me ask you a question because it has to land somewhere on our street, in our neighborhood of the Christian life. Is that how you see your conversion? Do you see your testimony as being the work of God's supernatural power in you? Or do you see it as the normal kind of logistics of kind of like Christian life in the world? And somebody moved the right pieces in place and gave you the right influences and they had you read the right books and they quoted the scripture to you and then, and then something natural happened around and in you. I think for a lot of us, we kind of teeter back and forth a little bit. And that's probably one of the reasons why we, we lack some of this supernatural encouragement in our lives. It could be one of the reasons why when hard things happen, we're really quick. I'm really quick to forget that God works all things for good and that he is supernaturally working in the unseen with power that I don't have and you don't have. And then I'm, I'm like anxious and worried and panicked about all these details in life and what's going to happen to so-and-so and, and how are we going to get through this? It could be that one of the reasons that I'm struggling like that is because at the very core of my story, I don't see it as very supernatural. I see it more as something I did. I heard this, I heard that, I made a good decision, I'm going to become a Christian, right? Well, if that's the way I see the very core of my story, that is absolutely the way I am going to see my life. I got to move the right pieces. I got to make the right decisions. I got to orchestrate all of this so it turns out right. You see, it's, a lot, it's about a lot more than just how you see your salvation. It's about how you see the world. And so what we probably need, I need it, you probably need it, is we need to see our faith. We need to refresh our vision to see our faith as a miracle, not as a medical intervention, as something miraculous, not something mundane that just, it just happens by the moving of pieces. So what should we do? We should really take some time to think carefully 
about our own story in the telling of it so that we're reminded of how I became a Christian. I became a Christian because God supernaturally changed me. And that's a joy because that's a big thing that we have in common with the Apostle Paul. No matter who you are, no matter how dark was the room that you were in, you may not have been persecuting the church. You might have a testimony that you, you feel a little ashamed of because it's not bad enough. You know, you grew up in church. You were kind of by, by church standards kind of like a good kid, and then you became a Christian, and boy, that's a real inferior testimony. You mean you didn't persecute anybody? You know? But instead, to remember that we were all in that dark room, And it was by a supernatural work of grace that we were brought out into the light. And in my daily life and in your daily life, no matter what dark alley corner we face, no matter what is going on, it will not be my moving the pieces that make it all work out. It will be the supernatural working, the supernatural converting and ordaining and orchestrating of all the details that will bring it about. Finally, let's notice this truth. We're coming to the top of the mountain. So we've been working from from here, the encouragement of the church up to Paul, sharing his testimony and and telling the story of how he went off to to just to to be with God and and to be able to, to make the case that that it was God alone who had brought him to faith and made this miraculous change in his life. But notice last, what is really the pinnacle of Paul's life and heart? What is this all about? Why does he care? Why is he trying to craft his testimony with certain emphases? Why is he doing that? It's because he has a particular pinnacle that he's holding up above everything else, and it is the gospel of grace. Notice what he says here last in verse, last, which was first, verse 11 and 12. Notice that Paul is doing all of this because he cares immensely about a supernatural message, which is the message of good news. He says in verse 11, for I want you to know. Now, that little for can apply to what he had just said, of course, because it's flowing in the logic of the text from Pastor Kevin's sermon last week but also having read this kind of backward and have this context in mind, you can use it the same way there because of everything that we've heard this morning. He says this because he, he says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel preached by me is not of human origin. No one made it up. This has not been been devised by a human mind. It's not been written down and crafted merely by human hands. I did not receive this from a human source. That's a big theme right there. You hear over and over again in this text. He says in verse 12, I didn't receive it from a human source and I was not taught it, but it came by a revelation of Jesus Christ. And for all of us, in, in a real big sense, that's true. Yes, someone shared the gospel with us. We don't have the same kind of testimony of that like real like personal on the road conversion in, in, in Christ's presence like that. But it is true 
that the working power, the agent of change and conversion, what keeps us going today is what Paul talks about here. It is a revelation of Jesus Christ. And it's not just a revelation about him. It is his revealing himself to us. That's amazing. I mean, just stop for a second and think about that. The God of the universe chose to reveal himself to you. And if he hadn't, you never would have come to him. No matter how many times you heard the gospel, no matter how many sermons you heard, no matter how many Christian books you read, no matter how many tracts you were given, no matter how well you knew the Bible, if he didn't do this, you never, you never would have been converted. You never would have come to know him. It makes our relationship with him supernaturally personal because it wasn't just the working of words out in the world. It was actually God revealing himself to us. This is the incredible pinnacle, the ultimate point that Paul wants to communicate. He is communicating that the gospel of Jesus Christ is no ordinary or small or mundane message. That's why he talks about its origin. That's why he doesn't want anyone to think that some other Christians must have gotten to him and must have brainwashed him. That's a big fear of parents. You know that? That your children could be brainwashed? That someone could come along and get a hold of their little minds and twist them around and, and pack in some ideas, and all of a sudden they would become, they would become different people. Well, this was a concern for these Christians too, because when they heard about Paul, it was like wild. That's a wild testimony. He was persecuting the church, trying to put an end, end to the Christians, and, and, now he's, and now he's preaching. What? Are you, is this not a trap? This sounds like a trap. Is he, is he like a wolf in sheep's clothing, and he's coming for us, and this is a new way to get to us? Or maybe, maybe he's just been brainwashed. Maybe he's insane. Someone's driven him crazy, and that's why he's saying this. But Paul wants everyone to know that it's all because of a supernatural message that a supernatural God used to supernaturally convert him, and that supernatural conversion and testimony has worked for the encouragement of people around the world. Around the world, that's where we are. We're not in Galatia. We're around the world. It is an incredible, incredible reality. A divine person chose to reveal his gospel in and to you. I think we need more of that. I think we need to think about that more. I think we need to re-inject that into our systems more and more and more. And certainly Paul does too. So that's what I think that we should do even in these coming weeks as we're looking at the letter to the Galatians. We need to keep this as a central theme in our hearts is that God has worked in these times and even now off of these pages into our hearts in supernatural ways. 
Because we want to understand this distinction between the law of legalistic living and the freedom of the gospel. And therefore, the connection between the two, how do we move from one to the other, can only be, it can only be, because God's supernaturally working through a supernatural message. So let's add that in to what we are planning to work on in these coming days and weeks and keep in mind in our own stories yet again the supernatural working that happened which brought you and me to faith in Christ. Now, it could be that someone is here who doesn't know about that. You haven't, you haven't had a supernatural awakening in your heart because the gospel's been preached to you and God carried it into the darkness and recesses and made you alive in Christ. That hasn't happened yet. So what should you do? If that's you, you should right now in your heart start and continue crying out to God because he's full of grace. He's happy to save and if you sense that he's working in your heart and this, this change is of interest to you, then you should go to him. Yes, you can come to the pastors of our church. You can come to Christians in our church. We want to talk about this. But when you do that, keep in mind what you're really doing is you're going to him because he's the one who can give you everything that you need so that you can believe and so that you could be saved, just like Paul, just like many of us here. And that is certainly our prayer. So for the rest of us, we should keep rolling this around in our hearts and our minds and keep letting the supernatural reality of our Christian life wash over us over and over and over again. Let's stand together as we're able, as we prepare our hearts to sing, and let's pray. Let's pray and ask God, to do this supernatural work ongoing in our hearts, uh, even as we sing, even as we sing that these words would encourage us uh, in these important ways. Father in heaven, we give you thanks this morning because you are supernatural. And while, Lord, that seems very obvious to us um, and nothing could be more clear from your word that you are supernatural. Somehow we forget that. We forget that we, we live in a world that is ruled by you and by your supernatural power. And we, we think it's up to us. And so we pray that you'd clarify our minds and our hearts, that you would remind us and uh, make us happy, cause us to delight in the amazing work that you've happily done to save us by grace alone, to give us the message of the gospel and to work in a way that no human being could possibly work. And therefore, we pray that our reliance would be upon you, uh, not upon mere humans, not upon the moving of pieces or the orchestrating of details, but that we would rely on you to speak by your Holy Spirit, your truth, evermore into our hearts, and that that would be our hope. And help us as we continue in this series, help us to understand more and more what is this message that you have used to save us by faith in your son. We pray this in his name. Amen.